You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, episode 85. You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, a podcast all about inspiring female creative entrepreneurs, their stories, experiences, and life lessons. Hear from women working in creative industries who are breaking the rules and doing things their way. Learn from their challenges, struggles, failures, and successes, and get an inside look at their top tools and resources that help them along the way. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hustlenomics Podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and today I am so excited to be talking with Kelly Glover. Kelly books podcast tours for entrepreneurs. She's the founder of the Talent Squad Podcast Agency and has 18 years of experience working in the media. Kelly has been a celebrity interviewer, talent agent, radio host, and podcast producer. She's here to give you the behind-the-scenes look at how you can pitch podcasts ace your interviews, and leverage the results. So Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Katie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Well, as I mentioned before we kind of hopped on the call, I love having other podcasters on the show. I get tons of questions about kind of the behind the scenes of podcasting, what goes into creating a show. So I'm so excited to have you on. But before we jump into all the nitty gritty of that, I'd love to just kind of hear about your background, who you are, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, you might notice from my accent that I'm Australian, but don't be fooled because I actually graduated from college in Ohio and did my internships in Hollywood in Los Angeles. So I have, um, as you said, been doing media for 18 years, ended up, um, started out interning for Miramax, ended up working as a talent agent, moved into radio and did a few years hosting a syndicated radio show and started podcasting in 2007, which was pretty, you know, not the beginning, but pretty early. And back then it was radio with the commercials and um, music taken out. And then I moved into podcasting full time in 2014. So, and then I opened up my agency. So that's pretty much it. So media full time, like when I started, podcasts weren't even invented. Exactly. Yeah. You got in at the ground floor. So growing up, were you always, you know, a creative kid, a creative teenager? Because radio and podcasting, it's a type of performance, not as much as like being in front of the camera, but you definitely have to have a performance aspect to your personality. Has that always been something that you were interested in and following for a career? Yeah. When I was in high school, it was the 90s. So I actually think I was heavily influenced by the talk shows. There were a lot of talk. That was the full on talk show show era. It was um, early days Oprah, Phil Donahue, Sally Jesse Raphael, Ricky Lake. Like there were so many. So I think that actually influenced me in wanting to be in that kind of media. So it was less I want to be an actor movie star because it wasn't. And it was more about the chit chat, people's stories and, and talking. So the fact that podcasts were invented at the right time for me has been the best thing of my life. I'm so grateful. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. So you were in radio for a long time and then went into podcasting. So what was that transition like? What are some of the similarities and differences that you found between the two? Yeah, so 
podcasting. So I moved to Los Angeles from um, Australia and my view, I didn't look to get into podcasting actually. I moved to Los Angeles wanting to get an on-air job because I'd been a syndicated host and I couldn't, I misjudged the market as sometimes you do when you just jump in and I couldn't get a job. So I actually started writing show notes for another company, moved on to being a podcast guest booking agent and then um, ended up opening up my own, my own agency. So podcasting is a lot well it's really radio on demand if you look at it that way like I said without the song so there's so many crossover elements and I was able to draw my broadcasting because I'd been on air I'd been a producer I'd been a talent agent so it was just combining all the skills over those years into something else so to me that just says the direction that you're going in you can always pull something from it to something that you don't even know exists yet So you really don't know where the path leads. Yeah, absolutely. And a big question that I've been getting from a lot of listeners and just some of my peers as entrepreneurs is that being like in radio, you kind of have to be really good at on your feet and speaking on your feet. Um, I know a lot of the people I've talked to get really intimidated by that, like doing lives on Facebook or Instagram or going on a podcast or being on the radio. Do you have any tips or tricks that you've learned throughout your years about how you can improve thinking on your feet and speaking eloquently on the fly, if that makes sense. Yes, I have a lot of tips. So first of all, the thing that I honestly found most beneficial was doing improv classes. And I did that a long, long time ago. And let me tell you, I am terrible at improv. Getting on a stage, suddenly I can't walk and talk at the same time. <laughs> I think I've got a quick mind. I'm quick talking, but acting it out is is not... Like people booed me off the stage. That's how it was horrible. But... <laughs> The actual class element was excellent. And I think it's good for anybody to do, an, you know, even just a six-week or an eight-week improv class because it teaches you the concept of yes and and to stop blocking and just to keep going and coming up with stuff. So I think that's good for anyone, whether you want to do a podcast, if you have to get up and do a speech in front of a room, just to, artic- like you said, articulating your ideas. I highly recommend that. Something else that we did at radio school, because I went to the National Radio School in Australia, is do air checks. So if you do an interview or even a practice interview, listen back to what you've done and analyze it. It is painful at the time, but it will make you a better performer. So play like 15 seconds, listen to it, analyze it. Play another 15 seconds, listen to it and analyze it. And you do that for the full 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever. And you'll be able to notice if you've got crutch words, if you're speaking too fast, if you're going off topic, if you're talking to, you'll be able to notice all the things and you can even either get it transcribed or write it out yourself and go through it and cut out any extraneous words and then have another crack at saying it again and that will quickly teach you to speak concisely. So that's another really good, it's not a tip or a trick, it's more of an exercise and something that you can actually do to make yourself a better speaker. Oh, that's great advice. And I love that you mentioned improv classes. I've grown up doing acting my entire life, but improv was always terrifying to me. But it's great because, you know, if you're doing a live on Facebook, you don't really, you're worried about the haters or the comments or whatever. But in improv class, everybody feels silly. Everybody's terrified and you're there doing it together and you have that camaraderie. So I think that's a great way to kind of break through that barrier of fear if that's something that you're struggling with. 
Yeah, and you don't have, like I said, I was terrible on stage and I realized that and I thought, you know what, I hate this, I'm not good at it. So I just kept doing classes. So don't think that you have to be on stage doing improv performances. You can just do a class where nobody's watching you and you will absolutely reap the benefits. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we say to our clients at the Talent Squad is, practice in private before you go public. So if you do want to be a guest on a podcast, don't let the first podcast you go on be the first performance and or interview you do publicly. There's nothing stopping you. We've all got laptops. We've all got phones. There's nothing stopping you from hitting that record button and doing a few practices either by yourself just to get used to saying, you know, to talking about your business, to talking about your journey, the normal things that you'd get asked on a podcast, you can just record and you can record it 10, 20, 30 times. You can record it two minutes a day, whatever it is that you decide. And that will also help you get better. The more you do, the better you get. Yes, that's fantastic advice. Thanks so much for sharing that. And you mentioned you've been in the media for 18 years, and then you started your company, The Talent Squad. So I'd love to kind of hear about that journey from working as an employee and then moving to starting your own business. What was that journey like? Yeah, so I was an employee as a radio announcer, and that was doing on air for six hours a day, producing, doing multiple shows. Then when I started in podcasting, that was a contractor position. So that was new to me as well. And I just loved working on my own schedule. And also, um, a lot of it is performance based. So I really really like that a lot. And so then you can do whatever it is in the time that you've got as opposed to just filling in time, which often is what you do as an employee. And then I actually came back to Australia to get weight loss surgery. And from there, I was a producer in an Australian network, podcast network. I produced eight shows for them. And after that expired, I thought, you know what, now's the time to take control and start my own business. And then I'm in charge of what schedule I come in instead of being at the behest of others. So that's when I started my own business. So I started from zero. And that was almost three years ago now. That's fantastic. Was that transition something difficult for you? I mean, some people are just naturally inclined to kind of setting their own schedule and creating boundaries and giving themselves deadlines. How was that for you? Did it come naturally or did you kind of have to build up those skills as time went on? I think it came really naturally to me, but only is it looking back that I realized that I probably just did jump in. You don't realize what you don't know until you're further along and you look back. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of the business education, like I have done you university degrees and they've been in communications and had business elements, but what you learn is a lot of it is on the fly, on the job and from other entrepreneurs. So a lot of it has been self-learning. So I just say, oh, I'm doing my own or I think I'm doing my own MBA and a lot of it is from learning from books and other people and practice. So that has been hugely, it's been really interesting as well. You have to learn about, you know, QuickBooks. You have to learn about hiring people. You have to learn about managing people. You have to learn about all the finances and, you know, saving your money for the tax dollars and all the different, all the legal things, the contracts. So it's not just doing the thing as a practitioner or professional. It's also the business and infrastructure that goes behind it. So the actual doing the work, getting clients and servicing the clients has been fine. It's all the other things that have been a learning curve for me. Oh, absolutely. I totally relate to that. Wearing all the hats, as a lot of people like to say. But that's super exciting. Three years ago, right, that you started this. So tell me a little bit about what you guys do at the Talent Squad. 
Yeah, so we book podcast tours for entrepreneurs and we call it the speaking gig that you don't have to leave the house to do. So it's taking, um, it's pretty much like PR, but it's taking the one element out of that. And instead of people going to tons of speaking gigs, speaking live, you can reach niche audiences and do a lot more of them over a year. And it's, it's just reaching a different audience, which is amazing and it's also benefiting your speaking as well and your expert status so there's a lot of benefits to being a podcast guest you know exposure relationships with the hosts all those kinds of things so it's yeah that's what we do for our clients and then we help them with their position positioning and messaging and all their pitch assets too that's fantastic that's so cool and just out of curiosity I work with different people that are my age, more millennials, but I also work with people who are just kind of like, I don't know what a podcast is. They're a little bit older. They, they know what radio, they know what going on, you know, like stage and speaking at an event is like, but they're like, why should I be on a podcast? What am I going to get out of it? So when you're bringing people into the talent squad, what are some things that you're, you're trying to explain to entrepreneurs why it's so beneficial to be on a podcast? Yeah, and that is part of it when you're in a relatively new space or new to people. Like I said, I've been in podcasting since 2007, so that's already 12 years now. And then some people are, oh, yeah, podcasts. So we know that 70% of Americans are familiar with podcasts and 51% have listened to a podcast. But you're right, have people been on them and using them as part of a PR or marketing strategy? Not yet, but it is becoming busier and busier and busier. So it helps um, with your expert status. So you'll be known as an authority in your field. It'll either elevate your expert status or it'll reinforce it if you already have that. It's also um, a real area of influence. I know we speak about influencers quite a bit and we think now influencers is sort of related to or we think of it as being related to Instagram. But being on a podcast is actually like you're actually influencing people to do something and take action, right? The other thing is exposure to new niche and engaged audiences. So you might already be speaking to a range of people, but this gives you access to somebody else's curated audiences. And with podcasting, People don't accidentally scroll through a podcast or walk past the TV and see a podcast or go through Netflix and see a podcast. You are looking for a podcast and we consider it edutainment. So you're learning something with actionable tips. So again, it's a very different medium and people are looking for answers. The podcast audience also is... A lot of them active in their own business and looking for answers. So it is really, really good for people that have service businesses. So it's not only the audience, though, Katie, it's also the relationships with the host. So sometimes you can have an affiliate relationship with the host or cross-promotion opportunities, partnerships opportunities, referrals. So they're just a few of the benefits of being on a podcast. And that's not even to mention the time which you're getting 30 to 60 minutes with an audience, which would be much different than if you met someone at a conference and you're meeting hundreds of people for five minutes and walking past and then getting a business card and forgetting their name. Right. A few things. Plus, of course, the SEO from the show notes, which is also excellent for your brand. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So if anybody's listening and they're like, okay, you sold me. I know that this is going to be great for my business. I want to jump in and try to get on some shows. What are some ways that they can start doing that other than just like, well, for say, for example, when I first started doing podcasting, I'd just be reaching out to people on Instagram, like DMing them. And you know, that works. A lot of people responded surprisingly, but I feel, I, you know, I know now that I could have done it in a much more engaging, professional polished way like for example like your media kit that you have together that you sent me so what are some some ways that people can start putting together those things to send out to podcasters to start getting onto some shows yeah so if you want to pitch yourself as a podcast guest I absolutely recommend doing that the thing that I do say is make sure you're prepared before you send out that pitch I know a lot of entrepreneur mindset is done is better than perfect however when you're pitching the media you really only have that one opportunity to make that first impression and you don't want to get it put in the trash or never considered again so you really need to have everything set up before you um, send out that first pitch so that would be having your one sheet having your online press kit knowing what your talking points are, being really clear on your messaging and also who your target audience is and what value you're delivering the audience. So having all, it's basically having all your ducks in a row before you even craft the pitch, before you're even looking for the shows. So I suggest having that ready. And then we can talk about um, actually crafting the pitch, finding the shows and sending them out as well, Katie. Yeah, I would love to talk about that because sometimes just sending things out to the well blue yonder is not going to work. You're never going to hear back. you got to kind of really look at the shows. What are their audiences? What are their messaging? So what's your strategy for finding the perfect shows to pitch to? Yeah, so I would say, first of all, you need to take an assessment of where you are at and be realistic about it it so yes everyone comes on to me and says I want to be on the Tim Ferriss show and who doesn't Tim Ferriss is amazing huge <laughs> crush on him read the four-hour work week back when it first came out and was in the bookstores um, however if the last few people on Tim Ferriss were like Marie Folio then you have to ask yourself, am I in the league of the other people and is it appropriate for me to pitch that level knowing the other level of people? doesn't mean you're not going to get on the show. You might be amazing. He might say yes, but I would probably get your runs on the board before you start pitching those high-level shows. And they'll also be looking every pitch that you send any host is going to cross-check and verify. So they're going to look and say, oh, what is your social? What other shows have you been on? You know, what's in it for them? So when you're pitching, you need to know who the audience is. And also a lot of hosts get inappropriately pitched. So I would suggest to make sure you are pitching the right show in, you know, if you're a vegan, you don't really want to be going and pitching a steakhouse show. And I know that's a ridiculous example, <laughs> which it's supposed to be, but make sure that it's an appropriate audience. Otherwise, the host will think, why are they even pitching me? They haven't even listened to the show. So, and also a basic one, which often gets overlooked, is do they have guests? You'll be surprised how many hosts get pitched guests and they don't even have interviews on the show and also when was the last episode that was published I've had a show years ago and I'm still getting pitched for it and that show hasn't had an episode for three or four years mm -hmm. so you need to come up with your own vetting list of how many episodes when was the last episode who were the previous guests what's the content of the show so a is the show right for you and b are you right for the show and that's before you even start typing your subject line and telling them 
why you should be a guest on the show or what you've got to offer, which is more important. Right, right. Yeah, I've had people pitch me, like for this specific show, I only interview women, but I've had people pitch me, male entrepreneurs all the time, and I'm like, this looks great. They look fantastic. I'd love to have them on my blog, but this is a female-only show. So, you know, great examples that you gave. You really got to do your research and make sure, like you said, you're sending it to the right show. The thing is, it actually takes you a lot of time to write and craft that pitch thoughtfully. So you don't want to send it to a wrong show and then you put in the time writing that pitch because you're wasting your time on a show that is never going to say yes. Mm -hmm. So that's why the vetting is really important. Um, The other thing, Katie, is, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you like, what you don't like, and your experience in being pitched because you have a podcast that is successful. People want you to be on your platform and talk to you. So what's it been like for you as a host? Yeah, absolutely. I've had a range of different things. I've had people email me through booking agents, email me personally through my website. I'd say probably the ones that I'm most likely to book are very similar to, you know, what I got from you. It's, you know, a very thoughtful email saying, you know, here's my background, here's my talking points, what I'd love to share with your audience. And also this fantastic online press kit where I could go in and look at everything that you have. And I'm like, great, this is perfect for my audience. This is fantastic. On the other side of the spectrum, I have somebody who's maybe just kind of breaking into the field, which don't get me wrong, I have tons of people on the show that are very new to being a business owner, but they just kind of give me a one line sentence about what they do with no link to a website, no link to Facebook or Instagram, no way for me just to kind of learn more about who they are. So I have to be the one to reach out to them to get that information. So my biggest thing is if you offer up that information to me where I don't have to put in the work to go looking for it, I'm much more likely to bring you on the show. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Your job as a podcast guest is to make the host's job as easy as possible and as easy for them to say yes. Any work is going to result in a no. And I think it starts with having an excellent subject line. If you don't even have a great subject line, your email may get trashed and never read. And you've put all that work into sourcing, vetting and pitching the show for not even being read. And yeah, so catering it to the audience. So what is in it for the listener? What is Katie's audience going to learn from having you on a show? It's actually not about you. It's about your expertise and what you offer the audience. And I think that's something that people get a bit confused about. And none of this is wrong and none of this should stop you getting started. It's just being aware so that you can do the best with your time and resources possible. And that way you can go in and ace it. So this is saving you time instead of telling you to stop. It's about, no, just get your ducks in a row and then just go hell for leather. Right. That's exactly what we're about on the Hustlenomics podcast, getting started, but knowing the best tips and tricks to save you that time from having to stumble over yourself, (laughs) which I'm sure we all do, but. Oh, absolutely. It's, I'm telling you this because I've spent years learning it Mm -hmm. and making all the mistakes. So yeah, this is the shortcut. And yeah, listen to other people that have been to it who know the things because you can benefit from all those 18 years. I've taken the radio station off air. I've had phone calls go over music. I've had every problem that you can think of. I've been through it. So I can give you the shortcuts and benefit from the information as I'm sure you can and anyone else in their business can to me to what they're doing. So 
do your own thing, but but listen to what people are saying and um, take the best bits and then do your own thing. I always recommend that. Yes, 100%. And so with everything that you're doing, I'm sure you're you're super busy. Do you have a team that you're working with right now? Or are you kind of a one-woman show? What's that? What's that like? Yeah, so I started out by myself, as I'm sure most of us do, and then slowly hired a team when, well, for me, when I had enough money and I thought that I could do it and enough client capacity. So for me, I work remotely. That is by design. And I also, one of the productivity things that, or mindset that I have is work in your most productive time. So we don't do come into the office from nine to five and that's when you have to work. For me, I get up at 3.30 in the morning when I'm in Australia and I get so I done the in before people are even having their breakfast than most people would in a day. And that's fine. I don't feel like I need to put in the X amount of hours to get done. So for my team, I also say work in your most productive time as long as we're results driven, not time driven. Yeah, so my team, we're in Los Angeles. We're in Florida, we're in Sydney, and then I'm in New York and Los Angeles as well for most of the year, except in summer when I leave the States and come to Australia or in American winter. I fly south for the winter. Yes, yes. So yeah, we have a remote team of contract. Yeah, we have a remote team. Well, I love that phrase that you just said, results driven, not time driven, because I've been, let's see, I've been full-time in my business for about a year now, um, moved it from a side hustle to a full-time, and it is so hard to break out of that mindset of I've got to put in eight hours or I have to work 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or whatever, those corporate kind of 9 to 5 mindsets, and I've had to really break some of those limiting beliefs for me to move into being more productive and actually growing my business in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. If you work the best at 11 p.m. till 3 a.m., I will I will guarantee I'm asleep then. But if that's good for you and you get the work done, do it. I would rather you work six hours and get those results than work 10 hours in the time that I tell you to work in and not get the results. So, yeah, one of our values at the Talent Squad is results over time. Mm-hmm. So whatever do it the best if they will do the best job with their personal skills not everyone is a little robot um, carbon copy of you not everyone is the same you've got to get people's skills for what they're best at if everyone was the same in my business we would drive each other mad because I'm a I talk 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 so (laughs) sometimes you need the yin to your yang right Yes, absolutely. And one of my favorite things I like to ask business owners, um, it's a two-part question, and feel free to take a minute to think about it if you want. What's one of the best things that you have found about being a, a business owner that has enriched and enhanced your life? And also, what's one of the biggest struggles that you found about being a business owner? Ask me five years ago, Katie, and I would never have figured this out. Or even, The getting up early and doing all my work as soon as I wake up is my prime productivity time and that is the biggest thing that I've learned when I was in radio yeah I had to I had to get up at 3 30 in the morning and I hated it for the breakfast show I can wake up so I can do my work because I know that my brain is going to be at its best so it's discovering that prime productivity time and also when you get over it just just stopping and that's okay because you know that you're going to probably do 10 times more work when you're in the zone. So not just working for because you feel like you have to and you'll only get 10% of what you need done. So I say that would be the biggest lesson that I've learned. Fantastic. And what has been one of the the struggles for you being a business owner and being kind of the captain of the ship? (laughs) You know, it's feeling like you've never truly nailed it because especially in podcasting, 
it's moving and it's moving so quickly and things are changing. So it's designing your offer, designing your products. The market is changing what they want. Everything is changing so quickly. So you think, okay, well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done and I finally got it. And then something changes and then you have to recalibrate. So I think that is something I didn't know. Now I'm fine. I know, well, things move all the time. It's not going to be that price or that package forever. And instead of plugging square pegs into round holes, it's absolutely fine to to change. So I think it's being agile. And also, obviously, it depends on your business. Absolutely on your business. But with so many people that are, you know, like you said, side hustle, they're in their business, they want to leave the job and start their own thing. It's okay to continually change and do continual improvement. So that's been a huge lesson for me. Instead of thinking, oh, I failed, I didn't get it right the first time. It's not. It's just changing and you're making it better. Yeah, I love that that mindset. That's definitely something that I've been implementing in my life in the past year. So do you have any tools or apps or anything that you use in your business, whether it's you know, for podcasting or maybe just productivity or, you know, relaxing, anything that that you're really using a lot right now that you would recommend to the listeners that might help them in their life and their business? Yeah. So something that I've discovered this year, and I love a good app and a good tech and all the things. It's a podcast, not a podcast app, sorry. It's an app called Abby. A double B double Y. And I especially use it when I go to conferences and it takes photos of business cards and pulls it into the app. And then you can now add and have to write it down or keep somebody's card. And you can also take a photo of the person that you meet. I don't know about you, but when I meet someone, if there's not a pick card, I'll think, I'll remember them. It'll be fine. And then I get back to the hotel room and then I look at it and think, I have no idea who this person was. So having and meeting so many people at a conference, having that ability to have a photo and their business card and their email in there, and then I can completely pay attention to them when I'm speaking to them. That's been huge. Yeah, that's fantastic. I have never heard of that before, but I wish I had it back when I was kind of traveling around to conferences and stuff. What a great tool. And I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Everybody can find it. Yeah. So just have a look. There's some paid ones and some free ones. And that came from, I was going to a conference and I thought, I wonder if there's an app where you can take, I just, I, I, I thought it would be a good idea. And I thought surely some one has invented it and then I looked for it and it existed. So sometimes if there's something that you wish was out there and you look for it, it might be there. So that's an idea as well. Yeah. And if it's not, that's a great business idea <laughs> to start it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And other than, you know, tools and apps, are there any podcasts or books or courses out there that, that you're really loving that you would recommend? Yeah. So speaking about the business side and self-training that we were talking about before, I'm reading um, Mike McCallowitz's Profit First. And that's a really interesting model, especially for new entrepreneurs. And I'm a few years in and I've just discovered it. And I guess most people think, okay, so it is um, revenue minus expenses equals profit. That's how most people work. Well, this model says it's revenue minus profit equal expenses. So it's just a different mind. So I'm really loving using that model and it's working for us at the Talent Squad at the moment. So I suggest having a look and see if it works for you as well. Fantastic. And I always love asking this question um, because a lot of us as business owners, we live, breathe, eat, sleep our business and, you know, we love what we do. So it doesn't feel like, you know, horrible. We, we enjoy it. But sometimes we need a break. So is there any 
anything that you love to do that's outside of your business that just gets your mind fresh and rejuvenated to go back to work and feel refreshed and ready to go? Yeah, so I've been recently, I've been listening. I've got an Alexa, which I love. So, oops, I have to be careful in saying that during interviews because then sometimes <laughs> she'll talk back, right? Right. That happened. Well, I will, I've been saying, Alexa, play, you know what I like? Alexa, play rainforest music. Sometimes I just like that in the background. It's the way I relax. It's not making my brain bigger. I totally understand that, but. I will watch a Netflix series and and I'm totally fine with that. I don't feel guilty about it. Where I used to, now I don't. So, and plus hanging out with my niece and nephew. So family, entertainment and relaxation, sleep, they're my top three things and coffee. That's what I do when I'm not working. That's awesome. Yeah, we all need at least three things that can get, get us out of that business mode for a little bit so we can refresh. That's fantastic. And I know everybody's going to want to check out everything you're doing and follow your journey. So do you mind telling people how they can find you online? Sure. Thetalentsquad.com. Perfect. Do you have Instagram or Facebook where they can check you out as well? Yep. I'm on social media everywhere, but if you just remember thetalentsquad.com and go there, that will take you to all the social media links. You can check it out. And something that I find fun in podcast is you're always, I don't know about you, but I always think, what does the person look like? What do I think that they look like and have I got it right? So I encourage you to think, make a picture in your mind and then go and cross-check and verify. That's just a fun little game, right? Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love am that. I six foot, am I six foot and blonde? <laughs> am I five foot and brunette? Who knows? Oh, that's fun. That's awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Katie, and such a great job. And something I really loved in your workflow was your pre-interview information kit for guests. So, yeah, you're doing an excellent job, and thank you for being such a beautiful host. Oh, thank you. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Don't forget that you can check out previous episodes as well as all the show notes at www.hustlenomicspodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Each review means so much to me, and it really helps the podcast on the business end. If you want to find another way to support the show, we're also on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon on our website. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like to hear covered on the show, feel free to DM me on Instagram or send me an email. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast. Be sure to visit www.hustlenomicspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or if you want to apply to be a guest, use the contact form found on our website. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep hustling.